I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here at Ananda Village. I am Naya Swami Parvati. This is Naya Swami Pranaba, and we're very happy to be with you today. I'll read from Rays of the One Light, commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda and written by Swami Kriyananda. Truth invites, it never commands. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Free will is a basic principle of life. God never coerces. He invites us to live in such a way that we find fulfillment in ourselves. If we refuse to live rightly, Paramhansa Yogananda taught, God simply says, I will wait. We have eternity to live. In that eternity, we live as we choose, in self-created darkness, a darkness as intense and as long-lasting as we choose, or in the infinite light, the true self, which is God. Jesus Christ, in the Beatitudes, offered a beautiful example of God's way of inviting mankind to seek perfection, not by commanding, but by offering his human children the incentive they need to choose the right of their own volition. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In each of the Beatitudes, Jesus explains the blessing attendant upon observing it. The divine way similarly for each of us is not to do violence to our own natures. Spirituality must be attained naturally. It can never be attained by force. The Bhagavad Gita says in the third chapter, even the wise behave in accordance with nature as it is manifested in them. Of what avail then is suppression? The scripture then goes on, however, to explain that this doesn't mean we should surrender to the dictates of our lower nature. Rather, it emphasizes our need to aspire to the heights. But each of us, in accordance with his own nature, and not in imitation of anyone else's, offering ourselves attachment and repulsion to sense objects both of these are universally rooted. No one should accept their influence, for verily <clears throat> they are man's enemies. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. I would like to share with you one of the readings from Whispers from Eternity. 
Paramahansa Yogananda's Book of Prayer Demands. This one is entitled, Satisfy My Soul Hunger. O all-pervading spirit, the breeze of thy inspiration has removed every cloud from my heart. The firmament of my mind is now clear. Purify, I behold only thee everywhere. The sunshine of thy joy spreads rapidly to the farther shores of my being. After long ages of hunger, I feed on thy light. By thy grace and by my constant wakefulness in thee, may this joy be mine forever, forever, and forever. Tomorrow, September 12th, is the celebration of the anniversary of Swami Kriyananda's discipleship with his guru, our guru, Paramahansa Yogananda. And thinking about this topic today, that truth invites, it never commands, reflects really how Swami Kriyananda lived his life for himself and lived his life sharing with us. He was full of the noble aspiration that each of our souls longs to nurture again in our relationship with the divine. And it is as if Swami Kriyananda lacked in strong convictions. He was very strong in things. And in effect, I was reading the other day, um, I've been rereading the autobiography of Yogi for uh, maybe the 30th or 40th time. But this one little passage really came to my attention. And it's at the end of the chapter, my ears in my master's hermitage that Yogananda is relating to. And he's relating to describing Swami Sri Yukteswar. And Yogananda references uh, some words from the Vedas. He paraphrases some words from the Vedas. And he says, soft as a flower where kindness is concerned, strong as the thunder when principles are at stake. Isn't that quite a saying? It, it really describes also Swami Kriyananda, that his softness, his kindness, his friendship, his inspiring blessings were always there for each one of us that wanted to tune into that. But he had this strength. He had the inner conviction of what was dharma, what was right, what was true. And he lived by that. And he had that strength as thunder when these principles were involved. But he had this wonderful connection between those two elements that were just unified in him. They weren't really separate elements. They were unified. That was his whole being. That was his life. And so tomorrow, we'll enjoy the experience of celebrating that discipleship as an example for all of us, and also his divine friendship for all of us, including all of us that have never met him in this lifetime, that his blessings are there 
saturating each person that's opening up to the blessings of this spiritual journey. You know, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to co-teach uh, a weekend program at our Expanding Light Retreat uh, with a dear friend of mine and guru bio of mine, Brahmachari Sagar. And during one of the discussions with the attendees in the program, uh, one of the people brought up the importance from her perspective of intentions, how they really are an important part of how we can open up the change. But she kind of left it just at that. And Sagar, with clarity and softness, said, but intentions aren't enough. Because you can intend to meditate twice a day, every day, but that won't make it happen. And then he shared an interesting and significant point. You have to have commitment beyond intention. Commitment is when we're flowing with the energy. We're moving forward by letting that energy come through us to a practical application. And that is something that sometimes we put behind us rather than in front of us. There are times when we feel, I'm happy just with my intention. You know, there's just the karma of, I don't really know if I want to put all this hard work into where I'm going. After all, it's so nice that God is everywhere. <laughs> but that fades quickly if we don't have commitment to be with that experience. And that's what commitment leads to, is experience. It's when we have the developing experiences spiritually that we have the surety we have the bedrock of knowing for sure for ourselves personally the spiritual truths. And then the experiences as we grow, as we evolve, allow us to have transformation. The grace of God. And this is really our spiritual journey is to feel that evolution, that growth from our own sense of who we are, and in a sense, inviting God to be with us. Not only is the divine inviting, not only is truth inviting, but we come to a growing depth of realization to invite the divine more so in our lives. And that's what the Beatitudes are really reflecting for us. And, you know, the word Beatitude means, in one definition, supreme blessedness. You know, I think a lot of the times in our, and you'll see this in some of the Beatitudes, our evolution, at least in the English language, starts to lose some connection with some of the origins or uh, 
more previous emphasis of meaning in that. And the idea that we want to invite the experience means that we're connecting the circuits together. But the very first beatitude that we're working with in today's readings is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, I don't know what you understood about that when you first read it, perhaps as a child or whatever, but it certainly had no meaning, because I didn't understand how that, those two sides of it fit together. Because normally we use poor in spirit, meaning that we're lacking in spirit. But what's the deeper meaning of this is that we're poor in the spirit of self-definition. We're poor in acknowledging the ego. We're rich, in a sense is what it's saying, when we acknowledge that we are beyond the ego, that we are the soul in our divine nature. And so, as we let go of the ego, we let go of the attachments, then that's what's meant by being poor in spirit. And indeed, we know this, maybe in small amounts in our lives, maybe in bursts of greater amounts at other times, maybe a steadfastness of the experience, that as we draw the energy away from the ego, more into our soul qualities, then we really do experience the kingdom of heaven in the moment, in this moment now. So the gift that is promised is a real one because the soul has, in a sense, taken the energy from the ego. It hasn't forced so much the issue with the ego, but is aligning with the divine flow and drawing that energy that animates the ego and our attachments and frees it to be expansive in our development of our realization of our oneness in God. And the second beatitude that's confusing in our language today is blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's like, huh? But Swami Kriyananda presents an interesting understanding of this, that the word meek can be a synonym for mild, mild, and mild when you think of circumstances, energies, and duality, that the focus of being mild brings about harmony. And so what's being understood here on a subtle level is that blessed are those that are harmonious, because they, being in harmony with creation, with nature, with all things created, inherit the earth. That is the flow, that is the reality. It's not some far-fetched promise out there. 
in the mere experience, from whatever point we're at spiritually, as we open up to that harmony, that harmony resonates in the world around us. Interestingly, even when there's disharmony, we will be in harmony and sowing seeds of harmony in the midst of that turmoil, that conflict, that disharmony. We are given that potential of always living in harmony, always being an instrument for that harmony to bless the world around us. Whether people can accept that, whether people refute that, whether people agitate against that, the reality is that harmony pervades as we act as instruments for it. It's not just a, a well-intended wish. It's a practical application of spiritual law. The next one is more understood, but sometimes not deeply understood. Blessed are those that are merciful, because they shall obtain mercy, for they shall obtain mercy. So for us, that we want to feel we're instruments. We're instruments for this mercy. Not because we're inclined to just give mercy to some people and not to others but we're instruments. We feel, as we touch the God within our own selves, that mercy, compassion, is our natural habitat. It's where we reside if we simply let go of the intrusions, of the tensions, of the conflicts. Our nurturing home is in that mercy itself, in that compassion. And as we act dynamically to bless others with this mercy, with healing energy, with compassion, then as Yogananda said, the instrument is blessed by what flows through it. And you've probably felt this if you engage in healing prayers, particularly in the way that Paramahansa Yogananda gave us instruction with, that spending that time in being that instrument of sending this healing energy out, this mercy out to people, you do feel a transformation. That experience is transformational. It's very real. I know when I first came to Ananda in 1978. Uh, I stayed for a number of months. And I really was uh, introduced in a dynamic way to Yogananda's healing prayers. And I remember spending every Saturday, thanks to Nayaswami Prakash's influences uh, in my life at that point, that I would spend a fair amount of time every Saturday when I was here doing healing prayers. And when I went back to 
Canada and start a meditation group, I continued that practice that for an hour every Saturday afternoon, I would do healing prayers. It was as powerful and maybe more powerful than my meditations at that time. It just was so deep as a real, a realistic, very powerful experience of that divine flow coming through me. It was as if I was aligning myself, coming together with that energy and with that focus, feeling its power unstoppable. Now granted, that faded, maybe sometimes too shortly after I ended my healing prayers, but it nurtured a connection that was deep for me. So we do obtain that healing, that mercy, that compassion in ourselves when we act as instruments to bless others. And then the last one, of course, is probably one of the ones that many of us really uh, tune into very deeply. Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. That all-encompassing offering, wherever we're at, whatever karma we're facing, if we can feel that from where I am here, I can offer myself as best I can, then that will be our reality. I, I was reading this funny little joke um, where this man had just been sentenced by the judge to a very long sentence. Um, you know, beyond his capacity to live that amount of time. And uh, he said, but oh, uh, your honor, I was hoping you could be more lenient and not so harsh. And the judge said, that's fine. You just have to serve as much as you can. <laughs> well, with our hearts open to God, we need to do as much as we can. We need to live always moving towards the heart being more open. You know, not so much that we're looking for, if I do this, I will feel the love of God. That's not a bad thing. But more importantly than that, is simply without reservation, without expectation. I give you my love, God. I give you my love, my guru. Divine Mother, you're all I seek. Let that be the richness of your life. Live in that, no matter what happens. We can't determine really what will happen in our lives, what karma suddenly explodes in front of us and tries to take us off course. In a sense, that's almost a guarantee that that will be happening for us. But we always can say, even when we're not sure about the divine love, we can just say with that, that offering, that simplicity of saying, I'm not sure I feel much love right now. 
fill me with your love and let me do the best I can. Let's be in that presence. Blessings to you. Praise ye the Lord, all creatures, he who did make the mountains, he who did make the woods and fields, he who made the sky. Praise him who gave us gladness, praise him who fills our hearts with song, praise him who lifts their notes on high, there where earthly hopes belong. Praise ye the Lord, all creatures, He who did make the seasons, He who did make the hush of night, He who made the sun. Praise Him who gave us laughter, Praise Him who taught our hearts to love. Praise Him and thank Him, everyone. Seek Him in His light above. Praise Him who gave us laughter. Praise Him who taught our hearts to love. Praise Him and thank Him, everyone.